0: monster house
2: presents monster talk is an independent podcast production of monster house llc you can show your support by subscribing to our ad-free extended episodes at patreon.com forward slash monster talk we want to grow our monster talk audience and the easiest way to accomplish that is for listeners to leave us five-star reviews on itunes positive reviews have a huge impact and only take a moment In 1987, shelves and carousels in bookstores and grocery stores around the world began to display a peculiar painting that would come to define an entire spectrum of human experiences. I'm speaking, of course, of the cover of the original paperback edition of Whitley Strieber's book, Communion. This episode... Is from our continuing series where we look at movies allegedly based on real events and try to find out what we can about what really happened versus what was portrayed on screen. If you've never read Communion or any of Strieber's subsequent books, you might still think you know what they're about. Elements have certainly become mainstream cultural tropes in what's commonly called alien abduction syndrome. However, as we'll discuss in this episode, it's not at all clear that whatever Strieber experienced was in fact alien in the extraterrestrial sense. He's come to associate it with the afterlife, with consciousness, with sexual energy, and a variety of other ideas. Also, this episode has an explicit tag because a lot of Whitley's writing has covered the extremely strange sexual nature of the experiences that he had, which he associates with the entity in that painting. There's quite a few episodes now in our series of Debased on a True Story, and you can find them all at youtube.com forward slash monster talk. But for now, let's get to the discussion of Whitley Strieber's Communion. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man.
0: Monster
1: Welcome to another episode of the Based on a True Story. Today we're going to talk about Whitley Striever's Communion. And uh, taking the show here uh, from here will be Blake Smith and Karen Stolz. No, go for it, guys. Greetings.
0: Hi. So yeah, this is uh, one of our many projects uh, under the 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 auspices of, of Monster Talk. So. Um, yeah, we've looked at a number of other movies so far. What Amityville and The Exorcist, um, The Hills, the Exorcist,
2: Have, Eyes, Hills Changeling, Have Eyes, The Changeling. Yeah.
0: yeah, and so we thought we've been looking at a lot of uh, horror movies and and stuff like that. So we thought it's time to look at UFOs and spaceships and aliens.
2: Not yeah, to but, say that yeah, this isn't on. horror. No, I, I think there's elements that are horror. horrible. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess, in in, you know, depending on your experiences, I think watching the movie can be its own kind of horror. Um, But I think reading the book, (laughs) right? It's a it the communion uh, phenomenon, and I don't mean the weird stuff that happened in the book. I mean the meta discussion about the success of the novel and of the film to some extent. Um, It's it's really one of those. The thing that makes it scary is that it's supposed to be a true story. I think. If it weren't a true story i don't think it's that powerful of a story but when it's supposed to be true then suddenly it becomes quite chilling
0: yeah We're finding more that to comedy. be a running
2: theme though aren't we
0: <laughs>
1: yeah
2: yeah for you sure. know i mean
1: like when we look at amityville and when we look at you know um you know the hills have eyes it's uh suddenly more terrifying when you think that this is real yeah so yeah. and then this yeah this is no different i agree
0: Um, So uh, the movie came out in uh, 1989 and that was based on the 1987 book and I think it's interesting that there are parallels between Whitley Strieber or Stryber, I've grown up saying Stryber, uh, and Communion and to me L. Ron Hubbard, the fact that he was a science fiction writer turned guru or god, uh, I just think it's interesting that here was Whitley writing about horror and then suddenly there's this book that is, uh, I guess, an autobiography, uh, autobiographical story about his personal experiences. And it just, to me, smacks a little bit of, of Ron Hubbard, uh, having, having that background writing about something and suddenly, oh, you're, you're experiencing these things, your spiritual things yourself.
2: Right. And, and and he was a horror writer, probably most famously of the, of the book in the movie, Wolfen, um, which is about sort of an urban wolf slash werewolf uh pack it's an interesting film and book he was
0: already famous by the time right he was having these experiences
2: so so writing a story about a let's let's talk about this He, he i think there's a really common perception largely because if you take a look at the cover of the book uh this looks like a book about aliens right yeah But, but if you actually read the book, he never really calls them aliens, he calls them the visitors and Mm -hmm, talks about them in terms of an intelligent non human species. Mm -hmm. And I think he perfectly uh, strategically tapped into this rising UFO culture around abductions and the conspiracies to hide them uh and, and made a story that's written like a horror story
1: mm-hmm.
2: allegedly true but at, at just about the perfect time to cash in and i, I think <laughs> and that's a very cynical uh reduction of, of his book here but i mean i think people people look at the book and they maybe say, it's just a coincidence yeah maybe it's a coincidence <laughs> maybe i mean i mean everybody wants to do that i mean like if you're a writer you want to like have this moment where you perfectly wrote your book at the time when the world was ready for it. i mean you want to be dan brown writing about the da vinci code (laughs) right you don't i mean the the people who wrote the holy blood holy grail they made some money but not like dan brown made money you know so like the the timing matters right so yeah Mm -hmm. it
1: really does well another thing about that timing is 1987 was the year of the harmonic convergence, and which
2: was huge. that was like a big harmonica convention in St. Louis, right? <laughs> that, uh, yes, led by yes. Bob
0: Dylan, yeah,
2: Bob yeah. Dylan and a bunch of hobos. It was awesome, right? Right, and uh, yeah, it was
1: it was a sight to hear and see. Um, <laughs> nobody had the same key, uh, harmonica, so it was kind of a mess. Um, so not that harmonic at all, but uh, oh. the, the thing is, is that the harmonic convergence was really huge in the UFO community. Um, It was believed that the alignment of the planets and various other aspects of it were going to bring us to an elevated level of consciousness, so we would be able to commune with Mm -hmm. our visitors uh, more effectively. So the fact that he was able to release this book in 1987 is another interesting coincidence. Um, Mm -hmm. Very harmonic, uh, definitely.
0: Well, I think that the name is interesting too, because I remember mentioning to a couple of people that we were going to be talking about communion for the next, the based on a true story episode, and they were like, "Oh, you're talking about like Catholic communion, or or what?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I, I do you think it's interesting that he chose that that term, and is there any specific reason that he chose that outside of the the usage that Matt just gave us? Uh, Is there more insight in the book into why he calls it a communion?
2: In the very end of the book, there's a lot of discussion about communion being about this relationship between him as an experiencer and these alien intelligences and the way that they're able to talk to each other. Um, You know, I I guess what we should do. uh, I mean, I I would think that uh, most people have heard of communion, but it's possible Mm -hmm. they have it so let's give a a, a little brief rundown of what this story is about you know i'm I'm gonna take a stab at it this is uh about events that happened in 1985 uh in october right around halloween and around christmas time um and streber uh was a successful horror writer living in new york city but he had a cabin up in the Catskills um, where he and his wife and son would go to vacation and this story is also told in the movie there's a few differences and we'll get into that but while he's uh, visiting in October and then again in uh, December right around Christmas time he has some strange experiences of somebody perhaps entering the cabin or maybe some lights coming on he's not really sure he thinks maybe somebody came but he doesn't really remember exactly what happened uh Mm -hmm. over time these memories uh start to plague him he has a lot of uh problems where he thinks maybe something was going on he doesn't really remember exactly what ultimately he ends up getting connected with the Alien abduction community and gets uh, hypnotically regressed to go back and re experience that evening and discovers to his horror that what actually happened was that intelligent visitors from somewhere came into his home, kidnapped him, took him out into the woods, took him onto some sort of craft, um, anally probed him and generally experimented with him in a very uncomfortable fashion before returning him to his home and telling him he was not going to remember this and he shouldn't be talking about it
0: so is this the first instance that we know of of the anal probe because that is, is just
2: this is it, i i am not familiar with any case before this with the anal probe this is a f- effectively case zero for the cultural <laughs> understanding of the anal probe as part of the uh uh experience of uh, abduction before discussed
0: that in the the movies exactly a bit later as well
2: and i i have to say so like in preparing for this episode we uh all did a lot of research we watched the movie read the book i also got this uh book called the report on communion uh by ed conroy which has a lot more background on it i listened to subsequent interviews with streber streber has continued to be involved with the paranormal radio world and the ufo radio world he took over sunday nights used to be a show called dreamland hosted by art bell like he would host Mm -hmm. coast to coast am all week and then on the weekends on sunday nights he would host dreamland which would be a little bit of a different format and ultimately he gave the dreamland show over to streber who continues to run it to this day and uh, still has the same theme music and everything. So even though our so Bell's no longer with us. so
0: Is he continuing to have these visitations and these nightmares? Are they still happening?
2: It's complicated he continues to have experiences with the visitors uh he was married to a woman named Anne in this book and talks a lot about her um, she died the, from, she does a she, while ago, she, didn't yeah, she... spoiler she does die <laughs> not in the book or the Sorry. movie but she does eventually pass <laughs> and that's when things in my opinion get super weird because this is when streber starts talking about And it really, these go back to, he had a book called The Communion Letters. So after the success of communion, he had hundreds of thousands of people send letters to him and he and his wife went through them in big chunks. And they put together a book called The Communion Letters, which deals with a lot of the uh, sort of weird experiences people who uh, had read his book wanted to share. Um, And one of the things that happens in there is people talk about, having seen dead relatives in conjunction with being abducted and so over time again he never says what these things are it's obviously to anybody from the outside if you haven't read his book clearly these are aliens i mean aliens look, yeah. look at the pictures clearly an alien mm-hmm. but that's not what streber says streber calls them uh, intelligences uh and he does not say where they're from and he definitely believes some well it's very difficult to say what people believe. He proposes that it all has something to do with the continued existence of human consciousness. Um, he becomes good friends with Jacques Vallée. Vallée is kind of famous for saying that UFOs, maybe they're not aliens. Maybe they are fairies. Maybe they're tied to the this thing that people have been experiencing for thousands of years. Is, is he uh, related
1: to Bruce
2: Valanche? Um, they have uh, very similar uh, V's in their names. I thought so. so yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> why
0: do you think he doesn't use the A word then? I know. Um, why. <laughs> why, why? Why do you <laughs> think, think it's <laughs> that he's tri- his
2: wife? His wife. Well, she... his wife definitely told him in the first book, "Don't call him A." Don't That's call aliens. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay.
0: But- I was going to say, does this let it lend it uh, scientific credibility somehow to to no. not use that term?
2: I think it lends it vagueness, and vagueness can really be powerful.
0: Sure. Yeah. And um, she, Manipulated, she, yeah.
1: I think her idea was that it was more artistic uh, this way, to have that bit of, of um, you know, I, I don't want to say mystery to it, because there is no mystery. But mm-hmm. uh, it just, you know, for people that have an aversion to the word alien, uh, whether, you know, from skepticism or from their own experiences, uh, him not using that, she felt was a better way to go so i have a i have a, a
2: personal saying that i like uh that i've been saying since college which is there once ambi- was a man from nantucket ambiguity <laughs> is the devil's lingerie. ambiguity <laughs> is the devil's <laughs> lingerie.
0: i'm sure you use that, that all the time that is a good I one
2: i do i do i mean because <laughs> it, you you it can hide all kinds of things and it can make something that's really terrible seem super sexy so um it's just <laughs> a- ambiguity is it's like
0: sexist it, yeah it, yeah well hey hey
2: it's like i uh, <laughs> i i don't know i mean the devil could be a beautiful lady it could be a beautiful man i don't i'm not judging i mean well, like, you know, supposedly sometimes you know.
0: uh, in in the book at all does he i don't think this is treated in the movie but in the book do they refer to themselves Do they have some kind of exonym for what we are you know he, here we are we're, uh, raised, we're I still remember i know he
2: talks about uh there's different ones like there's different uh types species of entities. and we'll yeah. get around
0: to that too that's treated in the movie it's,
2: the, the yeah. sort of the my recollection is the sort of the one wearing coveralls uh it looks like a well to me personally this is me and maybe you could throw a graphic up of, in the video but we will yeah to me the ones that are wearing the coveralls and have the big head look an awful lot like the uh the red queen from the illustrated um uh through the Looking Glass oh, uh, by Lewis Carroll. That's an
0: interesting comparison. Yeah, yeah they yeah. do look a bit comical. They're not very scary. Yeah, I mean, they They're have this being...
2: enormous giant head on their normal size, but it just reminds me of that. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Yeah,
1: that's so. a little bit of a cross oh. between that and a Oompa um, oh. loompa. <laughs> yeah.
2: Bloompa loompas, yeah. Well, like, if you could hold
0: up the cover again, because I remember seeing this, uh, the, the cover, when I was a kid and and being petrified by this. Oh, yeah. It's such no, a it iconic... Scary eerie image and uh i guess we're going to talk more about the alien species in the progression too but is this the first usage of this face and this type did, did he is is he the first person to no
1: no he he's definitely not um and and Does this, and this the, like me am i am i uh, just, oh, like, just, you, like, just like, <laughs> like you, just like you um, i'd say yeah. one of the big things that you know that's supposed uh, according to uh willie that's a, a female um, on the cover there, but and and you, know, you can wise, totally tell female. because uh, she's got a nose. Uh, uh, often the grays <laughs> don't have a nose like that, um, and often the grays are more gray. And uh, she's not so Endless
0: gray. Yellow. Are you saying yeah. f- females
1: yeah. nose more? Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh,
0: exactly. Uh, so but yeah, we. Should- we
1: if, if you want, I can bring up uh, Joe Nichols' timeline. And uh, he kind of shows where these types of aliens started appearing. You know, other than it's wearing what looks to be a nice fur coat with a hood, 1951 uh, looks like a a time when that sort of face appears. And then 1954, we see it again. We see it again in 1961, see it again in 1967. Um, So it has popped up quite a few times, 1975, um, you know, 1986. So it's, you know. Sectoid yeah and then it's really hanging out through the 90s um it's the main alien
0: gray and sometimes they're green
1: yeah they can be green they can be gray they can be you know uh human flesh colored uh it's it's really varies and their size varies as well sometimes they're little and sometimes they're
0: giant right
1: right but that guitar pick shaped head with the almond shaped eyes um is kind of just iconic and the thing is is Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when they they, they started calling them Spielbergs because of uh, (laughs) the the whole uh, close encounters. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this has been kind of an iconic alien for a long time Mm -hmm. and that's why I think because we've had it in our consciousness because it's been shown so many times throughout, you know, since the fifties that when that face showed up on the cover, uh, that was a, yeah, that really struck a chord with so many of us
2: it really right? did yeah i i, I think it's a, a, between this and close encounters it really sort of created a, a really very very available cultural template for what a uh, alien encounter is supposed to be like so sure. very, yeah sure. the very strong suggestion oh. was there
1: yeah. So
0: yeah, I I think uh, we should start talking about the movie now, anyway, and um, and in comparison to the book as well. And uh, I think the the movie is really interesting. Uh, I think that what makes it bearable is uh, Christopher <laughs> Walken. <laughs> He's just so strange, and uh, I, I think yeah, we should talk a little bit about his. Uh, his performance uh, in the movie and um, certainly his interaction with Whitley as well outside well, of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the director uh, of the movie called uh, Watkins uh, approach jazz acting and uh, that he would just try all kinds of, of different things all the time. And I wanted to ask the, the Whitley that's in the movie, how different is he from the Whitley in the book?
2: The thing about the movie, I think, is Walken. It, it, I think it's hard to say that Walken is not being performative. Like everything about Walken's performance in that film seems like he's crafting a. Right. And I don't know. I mean, I I gather from Whitley Strieber's friends and stuff, he's quite a character himself. Mm-hmm. But it feels I, like I did my mustache uh, like this Walken today. Is is cranking the weird up to eleven?
1: <laughs> yeah. I did my mustache in, like in, this in, today for in the um, for in
0: homage to him well
1: yeah because of the scenes where he uh would see a version of himself that was like the magician and yes.
2: stuff. Yes. That's, oh, that's that's what that's right. yes 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 he, yeah, he did mm-hmm. back. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think he,
0: it, it's his acting it was, is just really interesting and he has shades of David Bowie with wearing the makeup and the androgyny and uh he also reminds me a little bit of some of the actors in Clockwork Orange so it's uh, interesting performance. But again, I don't know how similar it is to um, the, the the reality, whatever that is.
2: Yeah, yeah. well, so here's the I, I found this interesting in conjunction with the release of the film, there was an audiobook book uh, that was narrated by Roddy McDowell that came out uh, contemporaneous to the film. And there was also a made for TV documentary about the Whitley-Strieber communion experience. And it's also hosted by Rodney McDowell. And in there, you see interviews with uh, Strieber and a lot of his contemporaries and other uh, people in the contactee uh, community. Mm -hmm. And it feels like in that time period, when they're doing promotion for the film, that Strieber is excited about this movie coming out. And he seems very positive about it. Now, that being said, if you listen to interviews with him uh, 10 years later, uh, in like 2007, he's not happy with that film at all. He's upset about it, and he says of it that Christopher Walken's performance was entirely meant to be a parody and a mockery of his own life. Uh, I don't know what happened in those 10 years, because literally... The, the
0: comments probably from the public and people. Yeah, maybe, it maybe, yeah, silly. maybe it's
2: it's it's. Is it a dodge? Is it a way to explain why the film didn't perform that well? I don't know. I, I like I don't have like a uh, a real good view into why he changes his tune. But boy, he changes it hard, though. He well, that's, it you know, hard. the thing is,
1: at the time, it didn't do that poorly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it it boosted his book sales. Uh Suddenly, he's uh this uh interstellar celebrity. So to speak, but you know, as they were filming it, Whitley said to Christopher Walken, "You know, you're kind of making me look crazy." And Christopher I think it was in said,
0: particular, "I think it was in particular the scene where he was trying on the masks,
1: trying on the the, the alien masks." Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Christopher Walken said to him, "You know, if the shoe fits, oof." <laughs> and I think that's a brilliant <laughs> quote, you know, that Christopher Walken thought he was crazy. Um, yeah. And yeah. so he just let himself go when he played this role, and I, I think it's beautiful. Uh, it makes me wonder because there is so much Christopher Walken in the role. Oh yeah, how much did we lose of of Whitley? Um, and and so I so I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. You know, when we're looking at based on a true story, you know how much of this was performance art uh when we get down to it, and how much of it for was Whitley's story.
2: Yeah, for yeah, both of them really. But uh, <laughs> what what. what I was gonna say, when, one thing that happens and this is true for any film that's based on a book is things in the film typically get streamlined in order to make them fit translate on well right yeah so what's two different visits to the cabin in the book kind of get merged into a single experience where they've got the other couple with them um and that's whitley's real life friends i want to say in this didn't come across with the casting but they're supposed to be like very fitness people um the the guy is supposed to be like uh, a, a professional athlete with like martial arts skills and stuff and it's played by the guy that plays Those the aliens. one, one our man. <laughs> yeah it's like that's that's the one-armed man from the uh the, the fugitive uh and Hold on, I lost it. all these all these asses got me distracted. So like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I had a cohesive thought and now something's wrecked up. Um oh, no, no so no, but seriously, um so that all got merged into one event. And then the other big difference, and I you just I think you actually watched the film more recently than me. I watched the movie like three months ago and then read the book like three weeks ago. So I should have done it maybe closer together because now i can't remember um in the movie the movie ends with them like walking around like uh, whitley and his wife walking around in an art gallery if i remember correctly having some sort of philosophical conversation about the meaning of the visitations right and i think that's filling in for the last sort of third of the book being whitley going i don't know what this means maybe it's this maybe it's that maybe these things are from another planet maybe these things are from the future maybe they're us maybe they're from another dimension like he just he like he releases himself only... from responsibility yeah sounds <laughs> like. yeah well, no i mean a... like i i don't know what happened you know so
0: well for uh, all of the this uh wisdom and knowledge especially from this this female uh matriarch character uh it's just amazing that they didn't communicate to him exactly what was going on but i'm just wondering uh in the movie it seems like the these things or these visitors are attached to the the house or the cottage. Uh they don't seem to really follow him back to his apartment in Manhattan. I think at one point he does.
2: They hint at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, but mm-hmm. is this is is are these things in some way or these creatures in some way attached to the the cottage? No. Uh, or is here's, it-
2: here's where it gets, well, I mean they are in a sense because in the book he ends up bringing uh what? either in the book or one of the friggin' many, many, many interviews I heard with him. He ends up bringing a group of other uh, uh, abductees at, at sort of like a mini conference at his cabin. And they all have weird experiences. It reminds me very much, very much of the Amityville horror, uh, let's have a seance there. And then like, you know, the people watching it see nothing, but the people experiencing it say they had all kinds of crazy experiences. Stan Romanek oh, followed this exact same thing when uh, he was uh,
1: trying to convince people. He did the same thing, so he would invite we, every paranormal group he could find,
2: yeah, to yeah. bring to his house. Yeah. And then, yeah, he
0: really up. did seem to use that as a, a template for his experiences. That's interesting. Um,
2: I, I like, I like the fact that you're thinking of it in these sort of strategic terms because I, I, I just thought it was like, oh, they're building a community but maybe that's a more reasonable you bring in the people most likely to have experiences and then guess what they do have, they experience. have experiences yeah, yes exactly yeah,
0: like yeah like uh an indoctrination in a sense like a religious yeah. thing but uh what i want to comment upon is that uh it's interesting that you said that he brought all of these people to this cottage and and it really embraced those uh, other experiences or abductees because in the movie he kind of rejects he starts going to therapy and he, uh, I think they're very, uh, uh, they, they don't initially welcome him because they think that he could be somehow a threat to them or he's an, he's a writer and uh, so they, they don't immediately embrace him. But he really yeah. does seem and to I... reject the idea of of therapy at first and, and other contactees like, oh, I'm not one of them.
2: Right. And I, I actually, I thought that was, that worked better in the movie than I think how things really played out in the book. Um, One more thing to answer your question about the cabin, though. In the book, something very specific happens that answers that mystery of is this tied to the cabin or is it tied to him? And that is he's doing his hypnotic regressions. Mm -hmm. And suddenly the doctor's like, I want to go back to the cabin. I want to go back to this date. And instead of going back there, he's suddenly on a train ride with his father in like the 1950s. And he's right. having an abduction experience there, and his father's part of it. So basically, it it's revealed that this has been following him around his whole life, and he didn't know right. about it. So right. Um,
0: well, I think uh, yeah. yeah. In the in the movie, they imply that his son this this is passed on to his son, like mm-hmm. it's some kind of gift almost to be able to, to be aware of these uh, visitors. Uh, and, and they don't talk about his father at all, but yeah, it, it seems like from interviews that we've seen uh, that this is something passed down from his father and maybe even his grandparents and it's just kind of following the, the male line in the family and that it's a, a kind of gift or he's chosen somehow.
1: Some people enjoy the waves or whatever, uh, crashing, and I enjoy
2: listening
0: to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just
2: don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show.
0: <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter
2: at ChinwagPod and Wagon.
1: And And he does, he, he has implied he, that he has chosen, and that's one of the things uh, th- that I'm looking at, because if you don't know the answer to something, it's great to say, I don't know what's happening here. It's it's a good thing to, to take that stance. But if you're also going to take the position of I'm the chosen one, who's going to help humanity make better contact with these beings. Um, I, I think it's really shirking responsibility to then go, I don't know what's going on here. Cause he's telling yeah. two sides of the same story and it's doesn't, doesn't work for me right no, he's definitely trying
2: to leave it open and so he never has to uh one way of viewing this might be he never has to um dismiss any hypothesis because he accepts them all as plausible so if you like aliens well you're good to go here because he'll cover that but if you like Mm -hmm. ghosts or other dimensions or future humans you're okay there too come on in everyone's welcome because i'm not Mm going to explain any of this um
0: (laughs) so uh with him saying that this is something that's been handed down through his family what's the significance of these visitors well not the visitors but his uh friends who stayed at the cottage and had some kind of experience too and did his wife ever see these things i don't
2: she under hypnosis in the first book she basically says that she's not allowed to talk about what happened to her like under hypnosis she's i'm not i've been told not to to say and she she basically endorses whitley's experiences but says she can't really comment on because she's basically been blocked out of being able to release all her information due to these uh hypnotic blocks from the visitors um
0: maybe I, it was a marketing thing
2: well i mean yeah
1: <laughs> hey, there can the, yeah. only be one chosen one so true yeah,
0: yeah.
2: he ultimately so like we talked to okay he hears a radio interview i think with bud hopkins is how he originally gets involved in the abduction community he's had these weird nightmares he doesn't know what's going on he hears an interview with bud hopkins Bud hopkins and uh john mack are in the there's a couple other people Jerome Clark there's there's a few people who are like around this culture of abductions at this time uh, including one I'm not going to get into because of how that played out but um, he ends up reaching out to Hopkins and says I want to know more about this can you tell me more can you get me so ultimately Hopkins tries to get him to get hypnotized and he refuses to let Hopkins interview him. Largely because Hopkins is not a doctor. Doc Hopkins is an artist, and so he gets um, he gets in touch with a psychiatrist or psychologist, rather named um, uh, Keel. Okay, no, no, not, not Keel. We just talked about this too. Yeah, I keep forgetting his name. Donald Klein. I'm sorry, I keep thinking of Keel oh. because john klein john is the name of the john keel character in the mothman prophecies movie that's why i keep keel and klein keep whirling around in my brain. right right. this is yep. the bye bye miss america pie guy. exactly <laughs> right not the answer so <laughs> so he ends up uh getting hypnotized and and like unlocks all these memories for whatever purposes but since this time like in other words since communion came out he made a ton of money and sold a lot of books and when i say a ton of money i mean i know it was a like a more than a million dollars uh in the 87 period but then he wrote subsequent books and then they themselves were also super successful
1: now transformation and
2: there were several of them. There was a bunch. Them but he did an interview in 2007 with Art Bell when Art Bell had switched from doing terrestrial radio to doing satellite radio, and we can put a link to this in our show notes. But it, during that interview, he's complaining, and he said that like he was making lots of money and everything was very successful until South Park, and South Park did an episode where Cartman oh, gets an anal probe and as soon as that that's happened, actually the name of the episode it, it literally is it turns out that is literally episode one season one of south park and according to Streber, the success of that episode that one single episode completely undermined his ability to sell books and he went from being a new york times bestseller to basically nobody because everybody thought anal probes were a joke. now well <laughs> In his defense, he says, he We said didn't think this, it before. <laughs> yeah. Well, many people made jokes about it, but now it was like, no, no, really. They're making a lot of jokes. But but he points out that, hey, if I'm telling the truth, you know, they're basically mocking me for being raped. Right. Right. Yeah. I heard
0: him say that in an interview. Yeah. Yes. And it's
2: like, which is sobering.
0: Right you know it, it is, but yeah. uh, I remember years ago it was either Jeff Peckman or Stan Romanek or both of them who criticized mm-hmm. me for writing about little green men and saying that I was you know, racist. Uh, be, yeah, I was racist and prejudiced against other species because mm. I used that very common term. I, I think uh, it, it's interesting in that uh, Whitley is is taking a real world problem, a real world social issue. And uh, that he's kind of pasting that onto his you know, potentially imaginary experience uh, to to I think just lend credence to his theories and and to give it credibility as well. So it's it's interesting how we're seeing that happen a lot within that that community to take us seriously uh, these comparisons to racism and to to rape and, to rape and sexual and, yeah. harassment.
1: Yeah, and that's that is that is scary because he can give all of the same arguments, you know, believe the victim and and you know all those things. And yeah, uh, victim
0: blaming. And
1: uh-huh. so it is. It's and very, I guess we,
0: we should talk about a, that typical
1: roadblock then. he's thrown up. Oh yeah, the anal probe. That's a uh, you um, know. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk the, about that.
0: In the movie, and uh, I mean, like you were talking about South Park. I think it's mm-hmm. parodied parodied in lots of other. Um, Areas of popular culture too. Matt, you showed me something from Adult Swim. There was a
1: Yeah, I'll I'll that bring scene That scene was up real replayed. Quick. I was just going to um show this really quickly first. So yeah, this is that area.
0: And you just don't know what he's in for at this point. <laughs> yeah, maybe and you do.
1: The way that thing comes out of the wall and has a life of its own.
2: Please do not be alarmed. We are about to engage the nozzle Please do not move while the nozzle is engaging Moving will disrupt calibration of the nozzle Please wait while we calibrate the nozzle Please do not look away from the nozzle Why are you
0: walking so funny Cartman? In the that. the movie, it's not it's not mocked. I mean, he's taking it seriously, and he's yes. scared, and he's wondering what's going on, and he feels violated. So, uh, yeah, it's not not exactly a mocking, but I can see how. I mean, this has just just become intrinsically tied in with uh, experiences and contactees. The the idea of anal probes
1: right absolutely and and then once that got into the the sort of the uh the consciousness of the the public um that became canon you know in a sense now this is just what happens when you're abducted yeah if you
0: yeah if you have a visitation if you're an experiencer then you've had an you probe yep I mean, we how don't really you know handle
2: that i mean it's it's interesting the part of me wants to say oh well, you know, I wasn't there, but this sounds awfully familiar. This sounds like, uh, sleep paralysis. This sounds like, uh, that sort of, uh, hypnagogic or hypnopompic experience. Mm -hmm. And one of the the things about that would be, uh, those are frequently associated with sexual experiences. Um, and what like it or not, um, the anal probe uh, fits more into the sexual experience than it does into the actual scientific approach i mean yes people do have proctology exams people do have cameras stuck up their butt but uh this doesn't i mean like for another species to come here i don't know why they would pick the anal probe is how they're going to get information from Whitley and his body. It seems like there would be other ways, uh, you know, he's tied in cattle mutilations. I mean, you know, when you get down to it,
1: the stuff that they're getting all their vast information about us from is strange. Yes.
0: It it really is. It gives new meaning to invasive species.
2: It does. It does.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it, it does make me think of the group therapy scenes in communion in the movie and uh, the the experiences that some of the people are talking about really do have shades of sleep paralysis. And uh, what was disturbing to me were the experiences that some of the women had had, that they had had, uh, they'd been pregnant and then suddenly that had a miscarriage or the baby wasn't there anymore. So I guess to justify claims of alien hybrid children uh but there were you know, certainly these stories of something being there and then suddenly it's gone our experiences of, of rape or uh harassment and, of, of some kind um really seems to to come into these experiences a lot um but again you've got that kind of communal reinforcement too uh aspect where people had experiences like this and oh now it can be explained this is Uh, an alien visitation i've had this experience too and instead of looking for a natural explanation a scientific explanation like sleep paralysis uh, i think a lot of people enjoy the idea of thinking that they're special somehow and that they're a chosen one or a contactee uh that they have you know some kind of they're special in some regard
2: yeah absolutely it does feel a lot like um that streamer's coasting more and more towards spiritualism and enlightenment and that sort of new age uh side of the aisle he's not that nothing about this book says here's concrete material that you can test and analyze for a scientific and rational worldview. everything feels quasi spiritual even right here at the beginning with with communion but since communion he's continued to write more and more books that sort of push over into that other side towards philosophy and religion um and, and that seems not, to be yeah. very common in
1: these types of uh alien abduction stories they yeah. start out with fear and terror and then as soon as we, you know as soon as we get an understanding of what these aliens are trying to do um and that that i'm chosen to 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 help raise consciousness and all this kind of stuff uh and then the, the people coming to him you know the the communion letters and everything it's they are worshiping him and that is an addictive drug oh i bet i mean i wouldn't Mm -hmm.
2: know but i bet you know i know all about (laughs) Uh, but
0: they're at this point they're just sorry
2: well i was going to say he also partnered with uh, jeffrey kripal um who is a religious studies professor who's done a lot of work um that seems to be geared towards undermining uh a materialist rational science-based worldview he, he really seems to hate that worldview and so he partnered with streber for a book called the supernatural a new vision of the unexplained in 2016. but even more telling to me is uh, Whitler's whitley's most recent book is called jesus a new vision <laughs> now is uh, that like a jesus
0: or is that jesus exclamation yeah here's here's
2: what it says it says a new vision is at once a magisterial work of scholarship and a completely new approach to the meaning and message of jesus it comes at a time when the western world is divided between a declining number of believers in christian doctrine and an ever-increasing number of people who feel that jesus was nothing more than a religious zealot who was executed for the crime of sedition what if neither approach is right what if jesus really did perform miracles including the resurrection But that this says not that he was a deity, but he was exercising human powers, which are buried within us all, which we do not suspect are there. Oh, boy. If you get your vibrations just right, you too can have the power
1: of Jesus. But that's an old, you know, an older theory. That is a very, very much an older theory that even, you know, was touched on with spiritualism. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's it's, and that's a great, easy one to jump on. And that's that's the thing is so much of this is just so easy to you know, to, to ride the, t- the coattails of, of right. all
2: these other uh, movements yeah. that have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's suspicious. I mean, to me, it feels a lot like uh, someone who is, again, talk about gravy trains. The mm-hmm. science doesn't know everything. Get rid of the orthodoxy down with the academics. You know, that kind of approach, yeah. even coming from within academia like Cripal, I think these are people who have realized or that Mac. there is money to be made by saying mm-hmm. that science is an orthodoxy and just needs to be overturned for the new paradigms to take effect and lead us on into a shining new age of higher vibrations, my brothers. Right. So,
0: right, yep, yep. Uh, and there are just so many different characters that we could talk about here. Matt just mentioned Mac, and uh, we've been talking about characters like uh, David M. Jacobs mm-hmm. uh, and Stan Romanek too. So, I don't know if you want to talk about any of these kinds of people and their involvement in this or that their parallels that well, we've taken on yeah, the there, mental
1: there's there's so much to talk about with with both Stan Romanek and David M Jacobs because um, I've had uh, run-ins with both of them separately and both of them uh I ended up in screaming matches with so it's kind of interesting but uh one of the interesting things is with Stan Romanek, he is following the template, but he's, he's following the template of many he's different deviated things.
0: deviated a little bit, but.
1: Well, uh, but, but he only deviated into a different template is really deviants. all he's done. Well, yeah. And he, yeah, the, he went complete deviant in the end and, uh, you know, is now a, uh, on the, uh, sexual predator list. So, um, the, the thing is, uh, he he did all these same things that, that, that uh Whitley did. He did all the same things.
0: Decades. In fact, later. He, he
1: believes that you know he woke up one morning and was wearing this uh this this uh sort of nightgown. And he believes that it, it is Betty Hill's nightgown. Um
0: Devil's lingerie.
1: <laughs> Devil's lingerie, yes. Oh wow boy, that came full circle. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, so he's kind of gone down the line on all these, these things, you know, he's had the kind of the MIB chasing him and he's had, you know, the, the government conspiracies trying to silence him and all, all these things different on things on
0: his computers.
1: Yes. He's hidden kitty uh, porn on his computer. Yeah. Stan Romanek is, uh, you know, he, he's the guy who went it. he read all this stuff. He, he claims, of course, he knew nothing about any of it. But he was smart enough to memorize the Drake equation for his uh, first hypnotherapy session. So he could write it down in, um, you know, under hypnosis. And then, you know, do do you guys know much about the Drake equation? Yes, that that it is nothing but it's variables. variables. The entire equation is variables. There's no real numbers in the Drake equation. So it's up to you to plug in those numbers Mm. to get your answer so he has all of the variables written down and then he says times 100 if you know anything about algebra that means nothing because you've got no numbers plugged in anywhere else so times 100 means nothing so if the aliens gave him that the aliens are dumbasses um, that don't understand uh, was
2: not romanek was not built in the day (laughs)
1: so boy is that the truth boy is that the truth but uh so yeah there's there's so many holes in the stories but the thing in a story but the thing is is i uh found out who this hypnotherapist was and i went and found out where she got her license because you know you tend to start doubting the credentials of a lot of these people involved uh so i found the school she went to i enrolled and went and got my license as well. And I found out during the course of all my training that uh, regressions like this are not recommended because they never bring out the truth of anything. You can do it as a bit of theater if somebody needs to work out some emotions, but they never tell the truth in a regression. Uh, the, you know, whether it's past life regression, whether it's an alien abduction regression, these things Fantasy. are never ever recommended to recover memories from, you know, something that's, that's not proven. I mean, you can sometimes recover childhood memories, but then you run the risk of implanting memories through your own, you know, through your, the suggestion, and then you end up with a satanic panic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, hypnosis is a very, very touchy, careful type of thing. And no real hypnotherapist would be doing those kinds of things um with, with any amount of ethics involved. No, So ethical, yeah, it's, it's well, not, you know, because they were taught during their training not to do this. Now, this and was they go ahead and do it anyway because they're I guess making I some eight, money.
2: Like it's 85, 86 when it was actually 86 would've been when most of this was going on. Mm-hmm. So this is also not too far away from the whole satanic panic uh Michelle remembers yeah. all that yes. sort of stuff. So Yeah, yeah. This was uh this was kind of the golden age for suggestion uh, hypnotism messing your memories all kinds of ways up so well i'd
1: like to to show you a web there's a guy david m jacobs now he is a doctor david m jacobs so he is a doctor so you can feel good about getting your hypnotherapy from this doctor who has his doctorate in american history um so (laughs) (laughs)
0: uh
1: so not in not in in, uh, yeah it's not in psychology or psychiatry it's but in he a really unrelated gets the
0: impression that he's a, a medical he, doctor. He
1: yeah, he really does tout that, and he's um, it, it's it's not right what he does. Uh, so I, I want to show you two quick little
2: pieces here. The effects of hypnotism, especially memories retrieved during hypnosis or hypnotic regression, abduction memories are highly suspect. Paranormal investigator Matthew Baxter
0: is also a hypnotist.
1: You learn very quickly that when you regress somebody, uh, they they just tell what's in their imagination. Uh, They make up stories. They're very real to them,
2: but they make up stories. Studies have repeatedly shown that hypnosis does not improve memory, but it can create false memories and solidify a person's belief in those memories. For skeptics it's no coincidence that UFO abduction stories began showing up in the therapy crazed 80s along with other hypnosis related phenomena like satanic ritual abuse and multiple personality disorder all based on hypnotically retrieved memories. The problem
1: here, here's David, evidence for all this. It's hard to think of weaker evidence. It is human memory. It is recalled through hypnosis with all its attendant problems. It is administered by amateurs like me. And then comes this anecdotal information. It's the bottom of the pile of evidence, but it is evidence. Now, I find that to be incredibly painful. I find that to be incredibly painful that he admits how terrible it is, how wrong it is, how it's administered by uh, you know, amateurs. And it, hypnosis administered by amateurs is incredibly dangerous, as we know. And then he goes, but it is evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's like, to me, that's that's practically criminal. You know, he's, he's telling everybody it's okay, what I do. And so I, I want to show you.
0: And legitimizing little, it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I want to show you a little more clearly what he does. Um, this is from his website. Now, uh, Karen and I actually went through this uh, the other night. Um, so, you know, I've. The,
0: the questionnaire.
1: Yes. Now I've had uh, a bit of a. Um, uh, UFO, a couple of UFO uh, and alien abduction experiences when I was younger, and I was a victim of the hypnotherapy craze, and so my memories I know are not accurate, and I, I have a, a tape recording somewhere of the session. I can't, of course, find it. Isn't that convenient? Uh, but I can't find it. But I remember listening back and going, "Oh my god, she led me the entire way," and uh, you can just read through these. Have you ever seen a UFO? Not. Can you tell me about, you know, (laughs) can you tell me anything about why you're here? You know, what what you think you've experienced. The Hegel's right to have you ever seen a UFO? So there it's planted. Boom. Okay. We'll give a short description of the events surrounding the sightings. Um, As a child or an adult, did you ever experience odd periods of time and blah, blah. So, you know, Karen was able to go through this and say yes to a lot of these. And which led to, oh, you've been abducted. You have been abducted, get it, get it signed up to have a session with me, basically. Right. Um, and uh, these are terrible questions. You know, uh, if you're a woman, have you ever felt certain that you were pregnant, but the pregnancy suddenly disappeared? How regular or common are miscarriages? You're really dealing with the pain that somebody's yeah. going through with a miscarriage and turning it into, well, maybe this wasn't a miscarriage.
0: Evidence, mm-hmm. yeah
1: you know and and it's like this is and and i i had a screaming match with him about this very questionnaire 10 years ago and it's identical and nothing has changed uh in this questionnaire and it it is
0: this is very, I, I think it's very harmful stuff yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It, it really is and and this is what what basically happened to whitley you know whitley uh he may be you know, uh, writing this, this cash bandwagon that he's on, uh, uh, being addicted to people, treating him like a God and all these things. But I also think he's a victim of, uh,
2: the the hypnotherapy of the eighties.
0: Yeah. I I would agree.
2: Yeah. It's, I, I think, uh you know, it sounds like from his interviews that, you know, his finances have Taking a dive after that whole South Park incident, if that's true, it'd be interesting
1: if to you know. can be undermined by South Park. Um, <laughs> uh, that's yeah. always been fairly good evidence that maybe you're not standing on completely solid ground.
2: Now, what does that say about North Korea? Then I don't understand <laughs> what you're saying. So, like, <laughs> I rest my case. Like, <laughs> so, I, I, I was well, thinking here about the uh, well, I just I, I was just thinking about how he's always played this sort of coy game like rolling around the edges of he wants to make money off the ufo people the alien people but also keep himself into the new age stuff and not really lock mm-hmm. himself into any particular explanation look i'm going to tell you some mysterious oh. stories these are very scary things will come into my house to get me and like if they're not right. killing me they're giving me some wisdom what's the wisdom i can't tell you what the wisdom is are they aliens i can't tell you if they're aliens but just keep buying yeah. my books because i'm going to keep yeah. writing them you
0: know, yeah it's like, from what okay. you're saying it seems like uh because he's taken this hit from south park that he's just really moving into an area that he thinks is is more vague more ambiguous and yeah. and uh more appealing to people today moving away from religion into new age spirituality
2: i would say though of all his books uh while communion is clearly the one most people think of with Treiber, he also co-wrote a book with uh, Art Bell called "The Coming Global Superstorm," and oh. that was about this idea that global warming would actually cause a global ice age. And the documentary they made about that um, was so compelling. Um, it's called uh, "The Day After Tomorrow." And yes. uh, and it, it's a great documentary, yeah. It is really a good documentary, I like it a lot. Me and my son love that movie, so uh, it's, it's especially it's, the, it's, the life like wolves. The life like wolves are astonishing. <laughs> I mean, I would say, except for maybe Wolfen, maybe the best on screen depiction of uh wolves in New York, uh, yes. yeah. And uh, you know, just it's very, it's a chilling, uh, plausible <laughs> uh, ex- explanation for how we'll end up uh if uh our, we don't get control of our weather a little better yeah i had so, forgotten um, that he
1: had a hand in that he um, does yeah so, yeah so and, and and what you know just because of a lot of the the cool effects in the movie not the wolves but the rest of the cool effects in the movie i did love that movie as well um but yeah freezing. The, <laughs> but it was fun to watch all of the scientists kind of come out and go no you know
2: after that movie was released it's a good double feature with the thing if you're doing one of those things where i like Mm. freeze out the house and uh i've done like a lot of double features on that like uh uh uh, i station zero uh doing both versions of the howard hawks version and the uh the the carpenter version but throwing in uh the day after tomorrow is tremendous yeah it's really good so don't you wish that the thing was
1: based on a true story I would love to I would love to have an episode on it, is what I'm saying. It,
2: it, it, oh, I see. I thought, I thought how is it not? I thought it was based on a true story. Or are you not one of the body? Are you not one of the body? It's like, no, it's not <laughs> a true story. It's complete <laughs> fiction. Trust so, me, it's yeah. fiction.
0: I did want to just mention that I think it's interesting that uh, Eric Clapton composed the the score for communion. Oh yeah, and yeah. The music yeah. was very prominent throughout this uh, kind of eerie guitar riffs and uh but I didn't know that he'd written the theme to that until I, I found that out today and I think that's really cool so maybe we can play a little bit of that
1: yeah yeah and no, that was a uh, coke cocaine was that the
2: one
0: yeah yeah, so. Crossroads. yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, it's very ecologically uh, light room save, save the whales it's uh, in, in the, the way white- that you <laughs> use it yeah.
1: Yeah, there is a lot of whale songs. There's there. a
2: lot of whaling. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's all its time, yeah. <laughs> it is It,
2: it is really, uh, I mean, for a movie about uh, aliens and rectal probes, it, it's uh, a <laughs> surprisingly uh, porn music classic here, so yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, have we'll, written
0: we'll, that uh, for the movie, yeah.
2: Uh, like, yeah actually, we don't mean to if you actually have had anal probes from aliens we don't mean to diminish your experience i don't that's not no, what it's about you gotta take them as a, on a case-by-case
1: case basis really exactly yeah you know it's it's not something you just throw a big blanket over and say they're all fake because no. uh you know yeah. you don't know you don't Thinking know stories
0: in the comments
2: <laughs> yes why <laughs> have the aliens got yeah. all this technology but haven't developed ky these are all really good questions <laughs> Yep, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. 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 or a way
1: to look inside uh, the human body without a probe um, where's the fun yeah. in that matthew
0: Or some, some an anesthetic or so. something you know
2: that's or right knock me out aesthetic yes yes
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh speaking of youtube uh, um, please do subscribe to this channel we've got a lot of new content that's coming through with matt's ask a paranormal investigator and also our uh wants to talk live episodes we're doing another one of those soon
2: yes hit that uh, like button
0: so-
1: smash the like button everybody smash it smash it crush it <laughs> algorithms and such uh,
0: and uh please do support our work through patreon if you can become a patron. we really appreciate that uh, support for all of our research and uh, all the, the things that we're doing and so if you like Are what you, we do you'll, um, thank you so much for for joining this uh, the, episode. uh b-
1: before we go though before we go mm-hmm. um d- do we want to uh talk about what we're going to do next time on debased on a true story or dotes as we like to call it
0: mm. yeah well i think we were talking about uh child play child play,
2: child's play. Of play. And,
0: and looking at uh robert the doll and then mm. uh, what was, after that, we were talking about uh, guys, Shining, maybe. Shining.
1: Shining. yeah, Shining. Poltergeist. Um, if you guys have good ideas, put them in the comments and we'll, we'll look yes. at those, uh, those ideas as well. So, yeah, we
0: love right. hearing ideas and taking suggestions. And, and again, thank you for, for joining us and uh, we'll see you soon.
2: Take care. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith.
0: And I'm Karen Stolzner.
2: You just heard an episode from our series based on a true story. In this episode, we were discussing the 1987 book and the 1989 movie based on Whitley Strieber's communion. We'll be back soon with new episodes of the classic monster talk format. We've got Yeti aliens and monster fish all working their way towards the podcast feed. So stay tuned as always. Thank you for taking the time to keep us in your busy audio life. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. And please, share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talks a proud member of the Airwave Media Podcast Network, home of such shows as Ben Franklin's World, Infamous America, and Legends of the Old West. If you'd like to advertise on this show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. Monster Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys.
0: been a Monster House presentation. As a long-time foreign correspondent,
2: I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlaz, former Beijing Bureau Chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, US vs. China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous US-China relationship.
0: Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.